Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Straight out of the burbs of L.A., this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. I'm Chrissy McQueen. Justin Winters is here as well, and you are listening to the Presidential Apocalypse version. Wah, ah, 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 ah. Justin, are we posting this before or after the inauguration? This is coming out before. Okay, so everybody, hopefully you're in your bunkers. You've hoarded food. You have your milk or whatever else you think might you might need, and you're ready to stay there for the next four years. Justin? Yes. Where are we going to stay for the next four years? We don't have a bunker. We live in a condo. We're screwed. I'm really disappointed in our lack of planning. You know, we used to do this podcast in the closet. Maybe we could just go back to the closet and kind of hang out there. I don't think that's going to do much for us. Why not? Because it's not like it's a panic room or something. It's just a regular closet. (laughs) Also, kids. Yes, we have kids. That's true. So, yeah, presidential inauguration coming up. So excited to honor the fact that our country is about to be flushed down the toilet. We decided to watch Air Force One and Olympus has fallen, which I keep mistakenly calling Olympus down. And I had to Google it. And then that's when I discovered, nope, there's another movie called White House Down, not to be confused with Olympus has fallen. So, I mean, obviously there are lots of movies out there that I could have picked that might have been, um, I don't know, more like spot on in terms of... Like Wag the Dog or something. Wag the Dog or Idiocracy or something like that. I haven't seen any of those movies. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want awesome, like presidential kick-ass action movies well also we're feeling a little maudlin about things if you haven't guessed it already so like we're like hey let's watch things where the white house just blows up how about that sounds good (laughs) we feel that way or at least okay so um number one air force one obviously is a well-known one i haven't seen air force one by the way since i think since i saw it in the theater when it first came out so that one's just like a, a super popular, like if they have uh, votes or, or a poll, like what's th- who's the most awesome uh, fake president in the movie? Bill Pullman. And then it's like Harrison Ford. It's the, those two are, are often the, the names that come up. There so are like, a few good ones, though. I know. I'm just saying, like, seriously, polls. Like, okay, okay. Th- those are the two names that come Let, up. So, so let's take a quick, so I made a movie, a quick poll. Who's your favorite president? Chrissy, obviously it's Bill Pullman. Is it? But you've seen Independence Day several times. No, 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 wait. But I knew that was my favorite, but that's really your favorite too? Chrissy, I think we talked about this. It's not Martin Short? Martin Short, wait. Martin Short? <laughs> when was he the president? I meant Martin Sheen. <laughs> Martin Sheen? What? Martin Sheen. During which movie? Wasn't he in West Wing? I didn't watch West Wing, and that's not a movie either. Oh, okay. No, we've talked about this. We did a whole episode about the Independence Day sequel. I know. I know that. But I'm just surprised because like, this is so dear to my heart that Bill Pullman is the president that I'm like, you too? 
Chrissy, how long have we been together? A long time. You know this. No. Yes. I have Alzheimer's. So yeah, Bill Pullman, President Whitmore, (laughs) Independence Day. Not as much Independence Day too. We talked about that. Nope. But the bar is high. He was on drugs during that movie. He was sad. Um. So yeah, Air Force One. I was like, oh, Chrissy hasn't seen that one. Okay, we'll see that one. And then the second one, I actually put a poll up because back in 2013, both White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen came out the same year. Same kind of exact premise. I went to see White House Down in the theater, I think probably by myself. And I'd never seen <laughs> I'd never seen Olympus Has Fallen before. So I put up a poll on Twitter. I'm like, which one's the best, uh, you know, presidential action action movie from 2013 white house down or olympus has fallen and olympus has fallen one like 75 percent to 25 percent i was like i was like whoa it's a pretty clear margin i know and i i was i'd seen the white house down but the only things i really knew about olympus has fallen before seeing it was like looking at the poster like okay aaron eckhart's the president uh, Gerard Butler's the guy who's got to save him, and Morgan Freeman is involved somehow. <laughs> so I've seen neither of the two movies, but research has led me to uh, realize that Channing Tatum was in the opposite movie. People of Tates. the internet. Chan-, Chan Tates. Why couldn't you have voted for the other one if for no other reason so we could watch Channing Tatum for two hours? <laughs> it's a valid question. Oh, well. Oh, well. well. I mean, we'll get there. So, um,. So yeah, let's let's start with Air Force One. Sure. Let's. So so okay. So Air, if, if anyone has not seen Air Force One, like number, me, number one, both these movies we're probably going to spoil pretty heartily, <laughs> like usual. Um, Air Force One, nineteen ninety seven, came out nineteen ninety seven. The IMDb logline is: Hijackers seize the plane carrying the President of the United States and his family, but he, an ex soldier, works from from hiding to defeat them. Works from hiding. To defeat them. Okay, whatever. Well, all right. Uh, This movie uh, was made, the budget is an estimated $85 million. It went on to gross $172 million in the U.S. theaters. $85 million is a lot in 1997 dollars. Where did that money go? I bet you they recreated the plane to scale. That's a lot of money for. Did you see how plane. big that plane was? Can we talk about the fact that they had like an entire boardroom with giant tables and stuff in separate rooms from where the regular part of the plane was? Well, it's like you know, pimp my ride, but pimp my plane. No, for no, the no. President. It was like let's put a hotel in the air and call it Air Force One. So, Chrissy, yes. Sometime during the watching of Air Force One turned to me and looked at me and said, this is not my type of movie. (laughs) (laughs) Very like judge, judgy. Like it was early on. And I was like, what? You don't like exciting movies where the president starts to kick ass and basically saves the day. It was early on when I said that I take back that statement, by the way, Oh, you rescind that. I do rescind it. Uh, and, and I'll get into why in a second, but, but early on when I said that it was because it just seemed like, I knew the movie based on watching trailers. You know, Harrison Ford is the president on a plane and he, you know, somewhat famously goes, 
get off my plane. And it felt, just felt like he was like a crotchety old president guy telling everyone, get off my plane. I've seen the movie, and that's all really I remember from the movie is that line. See? That and the poster. Look, and I looked at a lot, uh, like when I was looking at this poster, I was like, it seems like, so the, the poster for Air Force One is basically Harrison Ford's gigantic head. <laughs> And it's bigger than the actual Air Force plane right underneath him. And he and looks it says, crotchety. And it says, Harrison, at the top, Harrison Ford is the president of the United States. Right? And I was like, his head is huge. I remember, okay, so when this movie came out in 1997, it his was, head is important. Yes, very. It was right around the time for me of Titanic mania, like either a few months before or a few months after. So I was distracted you were in the zone i was totally in the zone but I, I do remember this coming out and being like does this blip on my radar and then i looked at it and at the trailer and i was like nope and i also thought harrison ford man why do you look so old granted i was like 14 so i'm like you look old why are you so old and now obviously that i'm in my 30s i'm like no he didn't <laughs> he didn't look that old but he seemed like it at the time so yeah, I had no desire to see this until you forced me to sit for it. So, yes, that's true. For the first 20 minutes, I'm like, meh, not my kind of thing. So, what did you think of Air Force One? I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. And? It got better as it went along, first of all. Um, it, it, you know, in the beginning the, with the premise of the hijackers taking the plane, you know, I mean, I, I, a little bit... I don't know how to put this disconcerting considering what happened a few years later with nine 11, of course, and the idea of anybody terrorist taking over a plane is disconcerting. So there's that element. But, um, I will say that as the movie went on and not just watching him kick ass specifically because he does, and he is great in, in his particular role, but kind of watching what happens. Um, what's the name of the guy who played the main terrorist? Gary Oldman. Thank you. He was great. He delivered a great performance and he had this whole monologue at one point with uh, the president's daughter talking about like, you know, how he would give anything for Mother Russia. And it's total crazy nonsense. Oh, yeah. By the way, the bad guys are Russian in this movie. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Or wait. So, no, wait. Are they Russian or are they? No, they are from um, uh, Kazakhstan. <laughs> but <laughs> there's this whole thing with the Russian president basically uh, imprisoning the one of the members of their little Kazakhstan resistance. Isn't that weird? So at the top of the movie, uh, Harrison Ford is at this huge, like gigantic, like dinner, Russian dinner. Um, yeah. Several tables. It's it's like an opulent estate of Russianness. Um, basically, it was Anastasia, but 1997. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I felt kind of uncomfortable watching it. I was like, oh, no. Which is another great movie. I was like, oh, no. And um, so there's a dinner and he get, and uh, President, what's his name in this movie? Not Whitmore. President James Marshall is the, the president played by Harrison Ford. Gives a speech at this opulent dinner where he's basically like, um, we need to stop being assholes. Like, you know. We need to, a, we need to stop being assholes, and B, terrorists, we're not going to negotiate with you. That's like the, the theme for both of these movies, actually, is terrorists, no more negotiations But you know you. what? There was a theme, maybe from, uh, I don't know, approximately 1995 till when Barack Obama took office. 
that, you know, we, you know, there's this ongoing, um, conversation in America about how, like, we will not negotiate with terrorists. I'm not saying that that's changed since Obama's presidency, but it just seemed like it was more in the, in the spotlight then. So, like, it's funny to see, like, a whole movie based around this hardcore premise of we will not negotiate with terrorists. Well, when your military is, like, a hundred times stronger than any other nation, it's like, we're not going to negotiate with you. We will just bomb you all to hell and, you know, yeah. that's it. Clearly it's worked well for us. But anyway, um, so what I was going at, getting at earlier is that I appreciated that the the baddie mm-hmm. was flushed out, which by the way, foreshadowing, I take to task in Olympus Has Fallen, uh, the lack of flushing out in that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this did like, I actually kind of cared a little bit what happened to Gary Oldman and, and his cause. Um, how about, how about how they the stakes higher, how it even ha- happens. So the, the way that this happens is, so Harrison Ford gives a speech at this huge Russian dinner, um, and then leaves. There's a big hullabaloo because everyone at home is like, Oh my God, he actually, you know, gave this great speech. We didn't know he was going to give this speech. And th- he's taking the, the Secret Service limo from the dinner to the plane to leave. And he gets on the plane and basically the Russian terrorists just walk up and get him, get on the same plane with him. Here we are. Air Force One. But they're... Um, journalists, supposedly. Journalists. Right. Russian journalists. No? No, Weird? No? I mean... Strange? Yes? Probably not if you're the president himself, because it's impossible to know who everybody is at all times. They're just surrounded by so many people. But, but, his, pe- but his people should have known. You're in Russia. You know? Mm-hmm. Even in this universe, the Cold War still happens. So right. you're not like, but Justin, you know... Justin, You're not like buddy-buddy, like, was, let's go out and have some brews. Totally. But this was 1997, and pre-internet background checks, this was back when we were still using fax machines quite frequently. <sighs> I don't know. I thought it was pretty easy for them just to waltz up on the plane. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, maybe they were... The, the, Especially considering, we're, we're foreshadowing how Olympus, <laughs> Olympus has fallen, how how they got to the White House. I was like, okay, they just strolled on up, you know, did a little fingerprint thing, and um, mm-hmm. then they got a tour of Air Force One. Like, the terrorists got a tour of, of the plane before they took it over, basically. They're like, we saw your faxed passport. You are who you say who you are. Come on board. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so... There were a lot of them, too, by the way. Like, that... I, I don't want to say it's understandable, because it's not. But, like, let, yeah, to I mean, if extent, it's like If it's like... So, there's, there's the guy that infamously did the... That had the shoe bomb. Yes. That led to Richard all something? of us. Was it Richard something? I think, yeah. He's the reason that all of us still have to, like, take off our, our lives are ruined anytime we want to fly. <laughs> we have to take our shoes off. I can't have a, a huge bottle of lotion. I have to have a, a very small bottle of lotion. A Lilliputian bottle of lotion. Yeah. Like, I can't moisturize too much. Lotion. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, sir, you can't have that gigantic bottle of moisturizer on the plane. You only get to moisturize pinky finger. <laughs> it's all that'll fit in the bottle. What am I going to do? Moisturize you to death. <laughs> yes, I would do that. Um, but yeah, they had a whole crew just get on the plane. Not only that, once the plane got up in the air, the the point where they're like, okay, let's get this shit started to we've taken over the plane was literally 
six minutes, maybe. It was a veritable terrorist <laughs> clown car. They just kind of kept coming in. I remember even went, at one point turning to you and saying, like, how many of these motherfuckers are there? Because they're really getting away with a lot of bullshit. And you were like, shrug emoji. Well, obviously, because you look at that and you, you think you're worried, you're like, is this how is this the kind of level of defense they have on the real Air Force One? Because if so, I we hope they, I hope they watch Air Force One. to do. Wouldn't it be great if like on Air Force One they continually continuously have to watch <laughs> Air Force One? Like, don't ever, ever let this happen again. Well, you know what? I like I, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but this was a pre nine eleven world. Like, I know that like we're doing a tongue in cheek kind of exploration of that whole process in this movie, but I'm just saying like. I think things are a little different now, and this is a snapshot into an unrealistic parent. So what you're saying is after, life. after 9-11, the government was like, hey, we weren't paying attention to movies like Air Force One, One enough. <laughs> we thought that was just a movie, and look what happened. Oh, my God. Do you think that the terrorists from 9-11 like, watched this movie and then went, yes, good plan? It's very sad and scary. I know. Well. Podcast is taking a dark turn. Speaking of. Dark turns. Speaking of dark turns. Can you believe this movie? Air Force One was nominated for two Academy Awards. I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Please tell me it was for sound effects editing. Sound effects editing. You're so good. Best sound. Yes. And best film editing. I have good ears. I mean, so basically they were nominated for an Oscar, an Academy Award, the highest honor of film for pew, pew, pew. No, we've established it was not pew, pew, pew. This is not Star Wars. This is Air Force One. I know. There's a lot of guns in this movie. And even though, so there's a lot of guns in Air Force One. There's about 20 times the amount of, of guns in Olympus was fallen. I can't even. We'll get there. So so yeah so th- looking back at Air Force 1 my main overall view of it is eh, like like shrug emoji basically like eh, it's okay it's an okay movie Yeah no it is an okay movie I again thought it was pleasantly like I could surprising. I can imagine like going up to someone and be like oh man have you seen Air Force One? <laughs> oh man or and I couldn't be like oh man that movie sucks it's so you're just saying like, you wouldn't basically be like Key and Peele go, talking about Liam Neeson's like Liam Neeson's. did you see the Air Force One? because and, and I love Harrison Ford you know I, I love Indiana Jones I love him in Star Wars but in this movie he's just like like base, baseline Harrison Ford like okay you know he's he's doing well He's not like he's not like a super president. No, he's just like a even though in the movie his president was supposed to be in Vietnam, like he had a reasonable amount of anti terrorism skills, I guess. He is like a kick ass version of Clint Eastwood saying, Get off my lawn. Like it's kinda do you know what I'm talking about when he's like, Get off my lawn from whatever movie that was like four years ago? <laughs> Number one, you didn't see that movie. No, but I know the line. Are you paraphrasing some kind of Line from a movie you've never seen. It's a real line. He says it. I'm not paraphrasing anything. Well, he's like a senior citizen in that movie. Right. This So was Harrison Ford. Not in Air Force One. Yes, he was. He's like in his 50s. No. Where do you start Older. senior cynicism? He's 60. You think he's 60 in this movie? At least. No. Come on. No. At no point did he like... 
did he have some kind of arthritic cramps or or anything? <laughs> he didn't have any kind of hey hey hey. Sixty is the new forty five. Adult diapers or anything? He no, didn't. You're saying that sixty year olds wear adult depend diapers? I'm just saying it. At no point where, was I like, "Oh man, he's too old for this shit." Like he's Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, but um, I don't know. I mean, he, there was there was also at no point where I thought like, "Oh man, Harrison Ford just like annihilated those dudes." Like he definitely <laughs> had a machine gun through a good portion of this movie, and he would sometimes shoot dudes a couple times at a time, but. Again, we have to, if we compare it to our second movie where okay, I just like, did the math. People are getting mowed down with 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 guns. What I just did the math. Yeah, he was not quite sixty. He turned sixty in two thousand and two. So he was fifty five. Yes. So I win. Sure. So uh, so <laughs> so he played the president in this movie. Uh, like we we told uh, we talked about Gary Oldman plays the main bad guy Ivan Korshinov. That's how you say it. He name. had a name? Korshinov. Glenn Close played the vice president, Catherine Bennett. Glenn little Glenn Close in this. I was surprised. Yeah? Yeah. Were you like she didn't have a lot to do. When I saw the credits and it said end Glenn Close, I was like, end Glenn Close is in this? But but I mean, let's be honest. What has Glenn Close done for us lately? Not a ton, but do you know who I would have liked to see in that role of consternation? That was a real question. Do you remember what the last thing that we kind of Fatal remember? Fatal Attraction. No. Nope. Nope. Okay. Podcast favorite. Ready? <gasps> yeah. Albert Nobbs. Remember Albert Nobbs? <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> William, William H. Macy in this movie. I love William H. Macy. Yeah, this must have been... I mean, he was in, I know, in Boogie Nights, which I think was 96. But in this movie, it's just like, every time you see him, like, oh, William H. Macy. Literally, it's like you say his whole name every time, all three components. And I think it's maybe because every line he says is like, filled with such optimism and brightness. Poor William H. Macy. He's like, I'm going to save you, Mr. President. Yeah. (laughs) I'm William H. Macy. And at the end, he's like, that's okay. You zip line slash space flight down to the plane and I'll just die here. Okay. Christine and I looked at each other and were like, thanks, William H. Macy. At one point I was like, can somebody just save William H. Macy and like sacrifice themselves? Because he deserves to live. He's been such he's been such a nice person and like a bright spot in this dark, dark, you know, situation of this plane. If I were ever in a terrorist situation, you know what? William H. Macy is clutch. I would want him on my side. I met him once. Nice, nice dude. Nice. You know, when you see someone like that, that's like a bright, you know, shining... Beacon of hope. Beacon of hope. You're like, I hope he's not an asshole. Awesome. Awesome dude. Just William like H. I, I, I felt the same way about Jerry O'Connell. Also in this guy movie, in the world. Also in this movie, because I am a, a lover of Quantum Leap, Dean Stockwell plays the defense secretary. Were you a quantum, quantum Leap fan? No? No, but is is that the guy who was Cher's dad in Clueless? No, not the same. Just kidding. No. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Air Force One was directed by uh, Wolfgang Peterson, who is a German director. I really thought you were going to say Wolfgang Puck. He was. It was directed by Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> it had a, 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 a fabulous uh, craft service table. <laughs> He was actually more focused on the craft service table than the actual movie. That explains a lot. 
Sixty million dollars of the eighty million dollar budget budget went to food. <laughs> He's like, I am going to make everything very nice for everyone. We're going to have a flambe and then we blow it up. <laughs> My first time making a movie, but I'm going to make it work. Um, now, Wolfgang Peterson uh, directed one of my favorite movies as a kid, uh, Never Ending Story. And then he directed a lot of okay to, you know, eh, movies of the 90s, like uh, In the Line of Fire, Outbreak, The Perfect Storm, Troy, and Poseidon. I've seen Troy. Yeah? Yeah. Do you remember? It's okay. I just remember thinking it was long. It was long. You're true. That's true. So, uh, standouts. Yes. Scenes that you remember. Well, well, obviously, the big zip lining thing from from the plane to the sub plane that then becomes Air Force One once all everyone's like safely on it. I'm sorry, they're zip lining at thirty three thousand feet. Can we talk about that for a hot second? Because that happened. So at the end of the movie, they have to figure out. Okay, we have all these people on Air Force One that we have to um, somehow capture. Like imagine uh, speed. Shut up. Speed. Shut up. I was being the nice. Bus. I was being polite and I and was letting like, oh, you finish. The bus isn't whole, stopping. I hate you because in my head, I mean, I love you, but in my head this whole time when you were talking about that, I was like, the analogy is speed. It's when they're trying to get the hostages off the bus. And I was just like patiently waiting my turn. And then you said it. And I'm like, that's what I was thinking. We have to send the second. We have to send the, the, uh, the there wasn't even a bus. It was like, uh, what was that thing they sent? Well, they to had ride like along. A, they had like a board and you had mm-hmm. to walk across the board to like the Caltrans bus, basically. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, But instead of the board, you had to zip line to this yeah. other plane. Right. Yeah. But it was just like that. I thought the same thing. I was like, this is like speed. But then you're <laughs> watching it and then you're seeing these people zip line and their limbs are, are all askew. Like they're one of the um, like balloon figures out in front of a... Car wash? <laughs> a car wash. Or a Jiffy or a, Lube? Or a... Uh, um, used car lot, basically. I thought the exact same thing. Withers about like this. For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Justin in real life, just so you know, uh, first of all, he's stupid tall. He's like 6'6". Six, six. Secondly, he's excellent at doing the stupid impression of like the balloon guy who's built up with hot air. Like Maybe it's just, just because of his long limbs. But he can stand there and he's like, oh, you mean like this? And he just flails and he suddenly comes to life and like becomes Gumby. I don't even know how he does it. He just flails in the position of these blown up things. If I, if I ever need a second job, you know, call me up. I can you do this. You are excellent at that impression. Probably I could do <laughs> something like that for like 10 minutes at a time. Then I need to take a long break because... <laughs> It's a lot of flailing about, you know, get dizzy and stuff. A little bit. So you, so you, what you're saying is you like the scene where everyone has to be um, zip lined out to zip lined out to safety. That's a great scene. Um, also, the scene where but that's actual that isn't that after the scene where they bring the fuel plane. Um, um yes, it is, and the it promptly explodes. Yeah. Oh, poor poor fuel plane. Right? They're like <laughs> you're like. They're like, going well. I felt sorry like this for is, it. Like this is the movie Planes, and it has like a conscience. <laughs> Poor fuel plane. It wanted nothing to, but to help the other plane. It didn't. It was like drop down to fifteen thousand feet so everyone can secretly escape through the hatch, and they're in their like really happy little parachutes, and I'll just be here refueling. Oh wait, I blew up real good, Ugh, and then like it died. By the way, the parachuting aspect was kind of fun because everybody looks like it looks like Titanic, like they're coming off the the ship when it's off, you know, 
kilter and it's everyone's going down. It looks like that. Everyone's like ah, sliding off the, the plane. But then they have these like really fancy parachutes and they're just like, oh, <laughs> such a happy landing. And they're just like <laughs> floating in front of the screen as they go down. I enjoy that. <laughs> you know what my favorite part about this movie is or one of my favorite parts? What? And I didn't realize until, like I said, I think this is the second time I've seen it. And you understand why. Since, so this came out in 97. I saw it probably in the theaters. I was probably, what, 17 years old, 17 years old, whatever. So this movie basically revolves around the fact that at the start of the movie, there's a capture by U.S. and Russian form, Russian forces of this dictator of the country of Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. My wife. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I could not. So this whole movie, so that happens at the beginning of the movie, and I was just like, "Are you talking about the home country of Borat?" <laughs> and this, so this whole movie, I was like, "You know what would make this movie a hundred times better is if." Yes, yes, it would. Yes, it would. Instead of instead of Harrison Ford as president, it was Borat trying to save everything. <laughs> no, no, you. I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna see you and raise you a level. Are you ready? Harrison Ford versus Borat in the role played by the bad guy. <laughs> no, but the bad, no, that guy. We are gets... taking the plane back to Kazakhstan. You are no, coming but, with us. No, so that guy, that guy is like uh, um, abducted and then they're and put in a prison. And so he's like in a prison through most of the movie until like at some point they like have to. They basically say, okay, he's okay to go. And then there's this weird scene of him walking out of the prison. They release him only to capture him. No, to shoot him and kill him. Well, yeah. No, but I, I'm saying I want Harrison Ford maybe working alongside Borat. <laughs> like, I, don't, I think it has to be a versus. I don't think it can be like them working together. I don't want him to be bad, Borat bad. No. No, no, no. He's misinterpreted. He's misunderstood. <laughs> No, somebody basically <laughs> says tells Borat that he has to help the president or they will kill my wife. <laughs> They're nice. No, but that's why he needs to be the bad guy because he'd be like, do you value your wife? Because she's a very nice and now I will kill her. <laughs> that's why he needs to be a versus. Everyone parachute out. Great success. <laughs> This is the worst Borat impression I've ever heard. Sorry. It was really bad. Oh, just that thought kind of got me through a lot of this movie. Like I said, it was kind of like baseline. Just, okay. So basically, you know, so Okay, far, this movie's okay. Okay, okay, okay. So okay, far, okay, we, okay, okay, wait, okay. so far we have described Air Force One as speed meets Borat with a tinge of Titanic. It's not as exciting as any of those movies. I don't know. I think it was pretty good. But no, no, just think about it. At, at one point where you're like... Ah, oh, that was awesome. Like, seriously. Zip lining. We were basically laughing at that I know. because of the <laughs> And the parachuting. The, the green screen slash Right. Yeah. It was just kinda like, eh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I think I enjoy action movies that are actively funny as well. And this was actively funny in those scenes, like because they're so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And they they aid in my enjoyment whether whereas if it's just like Boom, boom, blow it up. I'm like, okay. Like over there in the corner, not enjoying myself. I don't know. I guess I kind of wanted something like to, whether it be Borat or um, I could have dealt with some snakes on a plane with, you know. 
You like to rid- up the ridiculous ante. Snakes on a motherfucking plane. Um, could you believe this movie on Rotten Tomatoes got 78% rating? I could. Really? Yeah, I could. For real? Yeah. He's a little high. I, uh, it's, first of all, I actually think it's pretty decent. Maybe because you are the film critic extraordinaire film critic. of the pot well, of the podcast, you would give it a, a lesser rating. Um, I have a weird subjective and objective response to that. Subjectively, I understand it just because I kind of personally enjoyed it. Objectively, the American audience is kind of dumb, you know, and this is kind of a good, dumb movie. And it also uh, preys on the emotions of patriotism and all that sort of, sort of stuff. So, like, I get it. I guess oh, so, so. Obviously, this this came out in '97. This is another one of those kind of diehard, but yeah. blank movies. This is diehard, but with the president, president. and he's on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Um. So I have to compare. I, I always compare it to Die Hard in some way. Um. This character of the president is not obviously as interesting as John McClane as Bruce Willis. True. Um, the, the first lady, it's kind of like nothing there. I don't even know who the woman who played her was. I don't either. Or her teenage daughter. Well, that's funny. Her teenage daughter, uh, first daughter, Alice was her name in the movie, was played by Liesl Pritzker Simmons, who, um, is the heiress to the Hyatt Hotels fortune. Must be nice. I know. I'm like... Hey, Liesl. I'm like, what does she need to be doing in this movie? Can we be friends? Um, she was obviously named after the kid from Sound of Music. Clearly. I'm sure. But I'm just saying, like, I remember the kid from, um, or the, 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 the wife from Die Hard, but the first lady in this movie kind of didn't rest her no, at all. No, 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 no. She's just kind of hysterical. Um, yeah, I don't know. Air Force One, like I said, just kind of just like, okay. I think I enjoyed it more than you. Really? I think so. You can't... Well, then tell me what, what other things you enjoyed about other than the zip fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's like if we asked our daughter, like, okay, we just showed this movie. What did you like? The zip line. You really? You like that? Yes, the zip line. Can, can I do that now? That looked fun. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That was totally a four-year-old Brooklyn response. Or is that the only, only part you remember, Chrissy? more mm-hmm. i stayed awake for this okay what else did you like are you quizzing me <laughs> this is a podcast where we do or remember some of the movie we watched so no that's fine i just feel like i'm being quizzed okay go ahead um so in practice he was less i know i keep calling harrison ford's character crotchety but he was less crotchety than i anticipated i really totally was expecting clint eastwood get off my lawn and i rather enjoyed um, how easily he seemingly, anyway, easily took down the opposition. Like, you know, even people like where he, he's hiding behind the stairs and they come down and he's like, you know, you know, say everything is fine. They're like, he's fine. And, and he's, you know, controlling everything. Um, also some of the parts are again, laughably whimsical, like the whole fax machine 
thing and like we can't get through to them in the situation room I know let's call the main line and then she's like I don't believe it's you at the main line and he's like it's me put me through the situation room and then she like traces the call which takes 30 years and then she's like oh it is oops puts him in he has to hide the Zach Morris cell phone in his pocket the whole time and then eventually he's like fuck this Zach Morris cell phone you know what I need something that's like the wave of the future I need a fax machine and then like we're waiting to basically see if they check the fax machine the whole time so I guess because the movie's unintentionally funny a lot of the time I enjoyed it so therefore it aided in my satisfaction okay I did like the fax machine scene mm-hmm. but it was kind of weird that the only um, minority I think character in this hey, whole movie hey, she gets to be postmaster general now Justin <laughs> Really? He, he, that's what he said he was going to promote her to. Oh, the the woman that knew how to use the fax machine? Yes. Fax faster. Fax Justin, faster. I don't know about you, but in the lines of work that I've had over the last 10 years, I can't tell you how like gut-punching it is to be the older, quote-unquote, person um, who, who is at the non-executive level who constantly gets asked how to show people like the interns and the newer 20-somethings how to use the fax machine. It happens at every job. They're like, um, I need to use a fax. Do you know how to use the fax machine? I'm like, yes. And then I have to show them. And they're like, oh. Why, why is the, the fax machine even as prevalent as it is at this point in time in our history? Like, it's 2017. And people are still using fax machines as much as they are? That's a good point. Seriously? I like the fax machine. Really? I do. Why? Because you like vintage things? That's true. I bet you shop at Radio Shack once a week. Um, I don't, but I still have my AOL account. But. I think it's stupid. No, it's not. RIP fax machines everywhere. I call the pediatrician and I'm like, this can I get my daughter's thing? This movie is 20 years older. Like 20 years old. Like, I know. happy 20th birthday, Air Force One. But we need to kill the fax machine. Well, clearly the pediatrician's office thinks like you. Because when I called and asked for Brooklyn's vaccination record, they were like, sure, we'll get it to you. And I was like, cool. Do you want to fax it to me? And they were like. What um, is that, old woman? Oh, no, we could just email it to you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you could do that. That's that, 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 that that's fine. Like, why aren't people using scanners and just emailing the scan version? It sucks, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I know, we got <laughs> I that. I just don't want to hear that sound of... And then you got to wait around for it to see if it, you know, worked or not. It never shows you anymore. It used to give you a beep when it was the 90s. Nowadays, it doesn't give you a beep. And you're like, did it go through? You know what's also weird about this movie is the the main bad guy in this movie kind of um, gets off like 80% into the movie. And you're like, okay, that's cool. I guess that's the end. But then the... Would you call him a secondary bad guy, which is in this movie, the um, Secret Service agent man who oh, yeah. is like the mole. Right. You're like, okay, what's that guy's deal? Like, what's he doing? What's his motivation? Like, why is he doing this? Who is weirdly played by um, uh, Xander Berkeley, who I think he was in 24 for a season or two, maybe. Okay. But I mainly know him as... This is going to be weird to everyone. Um, I mainly know him as Edward, the the character that Edward Furlong plays, uh, John Carner, his um, adoptive dad in Terminator 2. Oh, my God. You were so random. What? 
You are. You just Terminator Two. No, I not. That's a random movie. He gets killed with like a like a the knife hand through the mouth while he's drinking milk. Sure. Our buddy Edward Furlong. You remember him? Yes. He used to live in our apartment complex. Yes. And I used to walk around looking for him. Yes. I never found him. I know. He's not doing so well right now. I hear. No, it's very sad. Poor Edward Furlong. Um, you want to hear some good IMDb trivia from this movie? I'm always down. So initially, director Wolfgang Peterson was denied access to the real-life Air Force One, but a telephone call from Harrison Ford to the White House soon changed that. Wow. That's all it takes. All it takes is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. So you be the president. Okay. Okay. So I'm Bill Clinton, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Ring, 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 ring. Hi there. It's the White House. Hello, Mr. President. This is Harrison Ford. I'm calling to say that you should let us go on to the Air Force One so we can fast. Well, all right, all right. Have you ever heard him in interviews? He's so like, just like, like if Mello ate a marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably because... He loves to just take it easy and just, you know, chill. Gotcha. A little smoky smoky. But that's that's probably how it would sound. That's really Wait, let me hear your Bill Clinton accent. No. Nope. Do, no, do it. Do it again. <laughs> do it, just do it again. <laughs> I don't think I can. So, Mr. President, I was calling. Well, that's very nice, Harrison. <laughs> that's horrible. Hey, what do you want to do? That's horrible. A, I'm a woman. B, not Bill Clinton. Harrison Ford told Gary Oldman to actually hit him during the filming of the fight scenes. Wow. The lead role was written for Kevin Costner, but he was heavily committed to the postman and suggested Harrison Ford for the part. Good job, Costner. Costner versus Harrison Ford. What do you think? Uh, Ford. Definitely? Yeah. Okay. Other people apparently that were up for the lead role do um according to the DVD commentary are for Harrison Ford. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ugh. Keanu Reeves. Uh-huh. Dennis Quaid. Mm. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. No. No. Of the of the list I'd like to see Hanks in the role. Um John Malkovich was originally considered to play President James Marshall. Um, I can see that. But he turned it down to do Con Air instead. Yes. Good choice. Yes. I mean, is it weird? I'm pretty sure that Con Air has to have a lower Rotten Tomatoes rating. I would take Con Air like 10 times over this movie. Would you? I would. Is that weird? I don't know if it's weird. I think it just shows your certain predilections. Like you like a certain thing more than the other. I like awesome things. Well, I like I excitement, say- explosions, and. Fun times. I know. In my book, I would put quality on par. I would say there. Really? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the quality is on par. I would probably like if you said you have to watch one or the other right now. My mom would like uh, this movie more than Con Air. I would. But you pro- would like it? No, I'm not saying that. Okay. I, I didn't finish. I said if you put a gun in my head, and said you have to watch one of these two movies right now. I'd probably pick Con Air. You better. Just because of the one-liners and think it's funnier. You better. But there's a part of me that'd be like, I wouldn't mind watching Air Force One. Like, it's fine. But I'd put them on par. I'm just saying, like, if we were, like, smush them together, I think it'd be a much better movie if 
um, Harrison Ford was going up against the the baddies in Con Air versus right. you know Gary Oldman and a bunch of random dudes. Totes. Um Usually, the film received the cooperation from. Unusually, the film received the cooperation from all four branches of the U.S. military, who readily lent them equipment and advisors. It's very nice of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one of my favorite ones. Okay. You know who Randy Newman was? Is name sounds familiar. He's a composer. Oh, oh he's, yes. He's the we guy saw him at the Hollywood Bowl when he was doing exactly. Yes. He's the one where you think of toys like yeah. He does know. a lot of film scoring. Randy Newman was originally hired to provide the film score. However, the director felt it was too serious to the point of being unintentionally funny. So Gary Goldsmith was hired at the last <laughs> moment, had only 12 days to come up with an alternative score, but Newman later recycled some of his rejected his rejected score for Toy Story 3. Oh my god, can you imagine? Can you imagine like Harrison Ford is telling William H. Macy, like, get on the zip line. And he's like, no, Mr. President, you go ahead. And you hear, you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. I mean, seriously. When you're on a plane and you got a terrorist. It just sounds really weird. There's like a banjo in the background. Banjo. <laughs> I want to see that. Really? Um, for that alone, yes. <laughs> We've already established that the unintentionally funny parts were aid in the enjoyment for me, so yes. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, Harrison Ford went before the MPAA and appealed to have the movie re-rated to PG-13, but they refused. Those sticklers. There wasn't like... I mean, there's not like tons of f-bombs or something or in boners movie. boners <laughs> all right let's, if we talk about something that could have totally changed this movie in a in like a positive way is me, like multiple boners like boners <laughs> everywhere <laughs> like that would justify the r rating <laughs> like he's trying like the president's like running around trying to save the plane and all the russian terrorists have boners Mr. President, boner. <laughs> it's like they're like they're like they're like assaulting him with their boners. You Get off my plane, boners! <laughs> it adds another layer. <laughs> is that like? Is that like? That was just like your wish that you wanted more boners in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if I'm going to go to the visual aspect, I mean, it makes sense. Like people, like never mind. Like the people, <laughs> and this is this is in the second movie too. There's always like the shit going down in the plane, and then you have like the room back in like Washington D.C. Well, was where they're say... watching like screens and like, oh no, it's only <laughs> it's. It's the president alone versus a bunch of boners. Let us pray. (laughs) (laughs) All I was going to say is that some of the visuals in this movie kind of make sense to that whole allegory. Like the Air Force One was as big as a fucking giant boner. Like there it is. And number two, like watching people parachute out of the giant boner plane. Like there's the release. I don't know. (laughs) Made sense. I think you're reading a lot of subtext into this movie that's not there, Chrissy. I mean, I might be. Get off my plane. (laughs) Get off on my plane. (laughs) 
You obviously had a boner. Like, like, like get some kind of release. De stress. That's pretty good. High five. It was good. Like, if I'm the president and I realize that it's me versus all these Russian terrorists. I'm like, I gotta rub one out in the in the small bath. Actually, it's probably small like a, a, a huge, huge bathroom. Air Force. Ba- yeah. he's, he's like, he's, <laughs> that's what he's doing down below deck the whole time. <laughs> it all makes sense. He's, he's got like, hey, secret agent, what are you doing down there? <laughs> Ripping out a boner. There's so much room. He's he's doing like a la la land, like <laughs> like like musical down there with his boner. Oh God, <laughs> city of boners. <laughs> oh my God. We've regressed to the second grade. <laughs> Boners. I can't even. Bonerthon. <laughs> Bonerpalooza. Oh there be never there's never there's never too much to talk about boners. Clearly not. It's worked its way into our last few podcasts. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Force boners. Hashtag force boners. Hashtag presidential boners. Indeed. Speaking of presidential boners. Listen to this one. In 2015, December, presidential candidate, politician, and real estate tycoon, Donald Trump, revealed his admiration for Harrison Ford on the plane. He stood up for America, he said. He was greatly inspired by Harrison's performance that he took it too seriously. So when Ford was told during a TV interview of Trump's compliment, saying that he he stood up for America, uh, Harrison apparently turned it turned to the camera and said, Donald, it was just a movie. Things like this don't happen in real life. Yikes. Um, Boners. Plus 10 points for Harrison Ford. Foreshadowing. Also, this sound isn't going to make it into our podcast probably, but that's the sound of me hitting my hand against my forehead. For real. Oh, man. Jeez. Okay. You know who loved the film, though? President Bill Clinton who saw Yay. it twice while in office, and he praised it, giving it good reviews. He pointed out, however, that apparently the real plane didn't have a parachute ramp. <gasps> what? It's like a huge part of the fucking movie. I know. Or escape pods. What the fuck? They should have had escape pods. Let's, can we retrofit, well, actually, escape pods would be nice. Do they do a new Air Force One with every presidency? They can't. I'm it's got to be super expensive. I would imagine. Right? Yeah. I mean, in this movie, they, they do like a big deal of how it's like uh, bulletproof from the inside. But isn't Reagan's Air Force One at the Ronald Reagan Library? Is it? I don't know. Well, that's a long, that's a big jump in time right there. I mean, I guess so. I've never been. It's in Simi. Is there a huge, gigantic plane outside? I don't know. It's been a while since I've been there, if ever. <laughs> but where did that come from? Just because there's a library, you think... Okay, then the, the huge plane is going to be there? I don't know why. I thought I read... I think books. You think huge, gigantic plane. No, I think I read somewhere that like they... Because it's not like a traditional library. It's not like going down to the Chatsworth Library. Look at what's there. Things to commemorate his presidency. Okay, like what? A plane. <laughs> <laughs> and a pen with the Russian lady on it. He was well known for riding around in his plane and signing things with his pen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, but I'm sure like they can't, you know, create one a whole Air Force one out of whole cloth every presidency. You're probably right. No? No, I think you're right. They're just like 
they take the sticker off the side, like, and just put a new one on the side. That'd be amazing. Every, every time. So, um, so, so what are our general final thoughts on Air Force One? Watchable. I'd say it's dated at this point, but in a way that makes it more enjoyable. So, do you think um, Harrison Ford's a big part? If we, if you were to take him out of it and substitute some random other person, that be the same? No, I I enjoy Harrison Ford, but mm-hmm. I don't see him as defining this movie. Yeah. So I could easily have watched it with Chris Pine. Chris Pine, President Chris Pine. <laughs> Come on. Speaking of boners. Throw me a boner. <laughs> I'm going to cover Chrissy. He's got a huge boner for Chris Pine as the president. What? <laughs> is, is he old enough to be the president yet? I don't think he is. Well, you got to be 35, right? I think so. Is he, he might be. If he mm. is, Chris Pine, if you ever listen to this podcast. No, he's never going to listen to this podcast. Well, if. So what will be your final grade for Air Force One? B minus. B minus? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd probably give a C plus. around there. That's I had a, a feeling I was like a notch above you. It's, it's, like I said, it's 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 okay. It's just like, eh, eh you know. Eh. If you have a, a free Sunday afternoon, I guess, just watch Air Force One. If you catch One. it on HBO, don't turn it off. Harrison Ford is, is, is good. You know, Gary Oldman is the bad guy. You know, good. It's nice, good. good. Although the one of the the funniest part about this movie is the there's an end a a crash scene with a a plane the plane in the ocean. Yes. Where you're like, okay, I could have taken my my <laughs> my 19 month old son with a uh, a fake plane in the bathtub and probably could have filmed something a little better. I think Camden would have given you great sound effects too. <laughs> yeah. Boners. Very funny. Very and eighty million dollars. Holy shit! Titanic was two hundred million. Go. Apparently, somewhere else. Not clearly. So, moving on. Yes. Olympus has fallen. Indeed, it has. Neither had neither of us had seen this movie before, which we is a rarity it. on this podcast because Justin has seen most of the movies that we review. Yeah, this one just pet. Well, it came out in. 2013 when our daughter was we were in the infant we were in the midst of not sleeping at all um we sleep a tiny bit then it was like not at all so that was probably part of the reason so olympus has fallen came out 2013 the imdb logline is disgraced secret service agent and former presidential guard mike banning finds himself trapped inside the white house in the wake of a terrorist attack, using his inside knowledge, Banning works with national security to rescue the president from his kidnappers. Indeed. So, Chrissy. Yeah. I'll go to you first. Sure. Olympus has fallen. Mm-hmm. Just finished watching it a couple hours ago. What'd you think? Very confusing movie. Very confusing movie. Why? I found it to be very confusing for several reasons, not least of which is the fact that Morgan Freeman was in the cabinet and not the president himself. Yeah, but he eventually like he like get, takes got a little, on a little bump up to kind of right. But I'm just saying that was confusing to see him, and I'm like, I even said to you at one point, I was like, so impre- wait, he's not the president. That's Aaron Eckhart. Oops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, if you are all about like just explosion upon explosion upon action sequence upon people being 
I don't know, decimated and having their throat slit, then this movie is for you. Um, if you're more about plot, then this movie is not for you. I, I have to say I didn't enjoy this movie as much as I hoped I would because I can be in a, like in a, a modern apocalyptic enjoyer. That's I don't know how to put it. But like, logline me. You know, White House is under destruction and due to some sort of terrorist advance deploy. I'm like, yes, sold, on board. What happens? But then to see it just all be like, ping, pong, boom, explosion. Gerard Butler not being Channing Tatum. He gets hit in the face. I'm like, meh. You're comparing it to a movie you haven't seen before. You're talking about White House no, Down? I'm just comparing it to Channing Tatum. <laughs> Don't confuse the two. Chrissy... I think your boners are clouding your whole view of all these movies. Talking about Chris Pine, Air Force One. Talking about Channing Tatum in this movie. Oh, oh, don't let's, rem- let's remind don't you that out, I what? Don't call out those movies. You love Channing Tatum. You have a like a, a guy friendly boner for Channing Tatum. <laughs> yes, you do. Just because I'm cool and friendly with Chan <laughs> doesn't mean that you know I'm going to gloss over the fact that. His movie was better than this movie. Mm-hmm. So I saw White House Down. Like I said, we Love did this poll. Um, I don't know, guys, what you think. Of t- I mean, I-, I guess I'm in the minority with the 25% who voted for White House Down. But I kind of like White House Down better, guys. I don't know. Maybe it's because my chan my chan Tates. My chan Tates love. My boners for chan Tates. But, you um, love Magic Mike. <laughs> Magic Mike's good. So it's a sequel. <laughs> Let's not lie. Um, so Olympus has fallen. So like Chrissy said, after watching this movie, I had a couple main thoughts about this movie. Number one, <laughs> there are like a ass load of guns in this movie. It's unreal. Like guns upon guns upon guns. Like, what was it? Like the Wile Coyote and... Who, he was chasing the Roadrunner. You yeah. remember that? Yeah, of course. Or or so, one of those cartoons where someone pulls out a gun and within that gun is like another gun. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. another gun. And then at the end... Another gun. And, and you're like, at the that's end of, a lot of guns. It's just a flag that says pew. <laughs> this movie has a lot of guns. Like it's 75% guns. And you know, if you like guns, I guess, you know, if you're a gun aficionado, you probably like this movie. So ton of guns, fuck a lot of guns, plethora of guns. Um... Also, and this is my big problem with this movie, and this might harken back to our Batman v Superman review, which is another reason that I had a big problem with that movie. Is this movie's super dark, and I'm not yes. talking about in like like metaphor, like oh, symbolism, but like visually. I can't see like half the shit. <laughs> it's very visually dark. I totally agree with you. <laughs> we like shit's happening in the dark all we're, the time. We're, we're like watching this movie, and I had to like pause it and like adjust the brightness because I'm like. Yeah. What's going on? Does this movie take place in the White House dungeon? This seriously, like, if they didn't have the outside exterior shots to remind you that it was at the White House, I would not know it was at the White House because there's a good portion Agreed. of this movie where um, Gerard Butler's character is walking down hallways, and they're not very like um, White Housey at all because it's super fucking dark and I can't see anything. So throughout a lot of the movie, I was just like, can we turn on the lights? I think they did that can on we... purpose because this was like a, a budget movie compared with White House Down from what I've read. Really? 
Yes. Like one of them got, it was like, these two movies are very similar. One of them got the budget. One didn't. Budget for this movie was $70 million. Can we get some lights? Like <laughs> like a couple bulbs in, in, in the hallways? I don't know. I mean, like a large portion is is him in Dark Hallways. Here's what I don't understand. For all intents and purposes, this movie had a relatively good cast. You know, it had Gerald Butler. It had... Um, oh, you didn't know who it was? You're like, no, who is that dude? But she, I know, I know, like, you know those characters where you're like, oh God, what's his name? I know him. Um, it so had, this movie had Gerard Butler playing Mike Banning, Aaron Eckhart, like we said, playing President Asher. It had uh, Morgan Freeman, who was the, the Speaker of the House, Angela Bassett, mm-hmm. who was the Secret Service Director. You had... Uh, Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Holy shit. Dylan McDermott. Not to be confused with uh, Dumont Mulroney or whatever. Do you get those confused as well? Once in a while. Why do people get Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney <laughs> confused? It's, I can understand it. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I totally Why? can. Similar names? They look similar? Yeah, I mean, tall white guys, brown hair, similar age, and similar name sounding. So, at the beginning of this movie, it starts and it's the it's it, it, mm-hmm. it takes place outside of they're like at Camp David. It's right. Christmas time. The president is uh getting ready with the first lady and their son for a a Christmas party and it's yeah. like super snowy outside. Right. And the son is all about like wanting to be a secret service agent. He's like, tell me about how many steps it is to get from like the Oval Office to the West Wing. Shut up, kid. <laughs> right. And Ashley Judd's like, oh, look at me. I'm so beautiful in my strapless gown and earrings. Ha 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 ha. Effervescent laugh. And we're like, man, Ashley Judd is this movie. I didn't know that. Ten minutes later, she's dead. <laughs> Ten minutes later, Ashley Judd is no longer in said movie. And not only that, so we're watching this, and I'm like, Dylan McDermott's in this movie? You did say that. And then all of a sudden, like, Dylan McDermott is not in this movie. I'm like, where did... I was instantly suspicious of Dylan McDermott. Like, where did Dylan McDermott go? You were. Meanwhile, all I could think of was my best friend's wedding, and you're like, what's up with Dylan McDermott? Well, I feel like in every every single movie he's in, I'm just like, I gotta be suspicious of Dylan McDermott. Like, where is he? What is he doing? Like something's afoot with Dylan McDermott. Were you suspicious of him in my best friend's wedding? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was like, he's just he just wants to like he's playing with these girls both girls' emotions. Cameron Diaz and Julia Roberts. Well and if you don't remember, my best friend's wedding came several years after the fact that he was he played um Julia Roberts' husband in um Still Magnolias and basically killed her in that movie. Don't you remember? Oh my god! Don't you remember? Like yes. she was a diabetic and she was she wasn't supposed to be having babies. He got her pregnant. She died. Dylan McDermott on my shit list. Oh my god! So instantly, I- anytime I see Dylan McDermott, I'm like, oh no, Dylan McDermott. So when they're all chasing something, him, something's the fuck. In my best friend's wedding, when they're all chasing him across the lawn, going, Michael, you're like, run, bitches, run away from Michael. <laughs> I'm like, he's not worth it. <laughs> Just, 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 just shack up with Dermot Maroney. He's the same, you know. 
I'm laughing so hard. I, I mean, he was. Don't you remember? He was an American Horror Story. Like he's a ghost. Yes. <laughs> don't don't trust him. Like he's he's Dylan McDermott and he's a ghost. He's the harbinger of doom. So instantly when I saw him and like he, I was like, oh, something's afoot. And then you know, forty percent into the movie, you're like, oh, of course. Pulls pulls a, a Dylan McDermott move and and turns against the entire. You know the nation for you, for no reason. You really did call it early on. You're, you you literally went in chronological order. Dylan McDermott, and then after you watched it for like ten minutes, you were like, "Is Dylan McDermott bad?" Hey, well, Chris. You, well, it, earlier you were talking about like, oh man, you know what? I like Gary Oldman's character in Air Force. Well, no, I understood his his motivations. Like right. he he voiced w- what he didn't like, and and we knew why he was taking over this plane in this movie. Uh, the bad guy, you're like, uh, what? What's going on? No. Even worse, you're like, what is Dylan McDermott doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even towards the very end, when there was like the f- big final confrontation between um, Gerald, Ger- Gerald, Gerard, Gerard. Thank you. <laughs> you can come whatever you want. <laughs> G Butler and um, and Dylan. I was like. What is Dylan's motivation now? Like, why is he doing this? I understand. And then, like, when it was, you know, last chance salute, he was like, you will call Kane. You will tell him that you successfully killed me. And then he's just like, all right, man. And then he, like, does it. I'm going, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Pick a fucking side, Dylan McDermott. Which side are you on? Dylan McDermott's confused. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing right now. Okay, but... So so seriously, so I talked about my my main negatives. So, which were way too dark. Yes. Um, like you said, very confusing plot slash sequence of events. This isn't the type of movie that you can turn away from for a minute, not because it's just so like psychologically dense, but because it's just so well dense. That like you you're turn like, away. What are people doing? Yeah. Like Air Force One, you're like, okay, they're going on a plane. The Russians are on a plane with them. The Russians take it's over the plane. Linear. There you go. This movie, you're like, what's going it's on? It's not linear. Like that's what I meant. Like you turn away for a minute, and it's not just because it's a. It's not psychologically dense. It's just dense. Like you turn away, and then you turn back, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Although I have to give some kind of what are the opposite of props? The opposite non-props. of props. I have to give non-props Anti-snaps. To, to the president in this movie because, like we said, at the beginning of this movie, basically, the first lady dies in a tragic accident. Ooh, sad. But for some reason, Gerard Butler's character, who's like kind of like bros with the president, like the leader of right. his Secret Service team, is seriously demoted, basically fired from his job for basically trying his best to save the first lady's life. And just like... Dude, why? I agree with you. I why? Because especially because at the the beginning of the movie, they're like the first scene is them boxing and like being bros and like they're best friends and stuff, and then you suddenly realize, oh, he's beating the fuck out of the president's face, and they're you know true. I and, and I get it, but like let's say like I don't know, we got into we were somehow uber famous, which we're obviously not, but we were, and we had like Mickey and Rudy working for us. And then, like, there was a big car accident, and their job was, like, to help us. And then, like, you wouldn't blame them, like, at all. Like, not blame, but, like, be like, Mickey and Rudy, you should have saved her instead of me. You're talking about friends of ours, by the way. I know. Uh, No, I've been, like, like, 
she's gone now. Like, I need my best friend now more than ever. I'm not going to banish you to, like, the gift shop of the White House to be the security guard, which is basically where Gerard Butler finds himself. It's amazing. I just think he's kind of beat up. Um, by the way, he ends up in the Treasury, which is the same place that, I don't know, Alexander Hamilton founded. So it's not that bad. I mean, still. Not only that, he's at the treasury, and in his office, he overlooks the White House. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad like, reminder. You can sit there and and be a huge reminder of what 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 has left you. So. That's true. Um. So, but I guess the best part about this movie, by far, and this is only cemented by the fact that when Christy and I were watching this, we really have the same reaction. Is and again, we didn't watch this until last night for the first time. Is right the assault of the white house of how quick these korean bad guys take it over is mind-blowing yeah it really is like we were seriously looking at each other like what the fuck is going on no we actually verbalized that we were like what the fuck like like i said the the russians in air force one posed as journalists and just walked on the plane the koreans in this movie like send mega assault vehicles yeah guns mm-hmm. like it's kind of ridiculously profane in the way they take over the white house right to a point where you're like how is this like the Trojans horse of Koreans? Like how many people are going to come out of the horse? Or like where is everyone else? Yes. Like in the at one point they're like it takes 15 minutes for the the armed forces to reach the White House and right. I'm like does it really take that long? Evidently. How about like you know other people <laughs> the popo <laughs> popo or someone oh else. God. How about the popo? Where were you popo? I mean, seriously, like they have people on foot and then people on, uh, you know, by car and then people by tank. And then like I fully expected like the aliens from Independence Day to come down <laughs> and start just like obliterating the leftovers because it, it might have been a better movie. I I did not know how they could have that so, so much firepower kind right. of unchecked, basically, like. I can't even get a, like I said, I can't even get on a plane with some moisturizer, but these people can get some gigantic fucking guns to obliterate the White House with. It's crazy. True that. No? No, I agree with you. Is there anything you that, that, that kind of hugely stood out for you in this movie? Hugely? No. Um like I, I mean but No 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 boners in this movie as nope, much. Nope, not even one. No. Nope. Um, to be honest with you, like, like I said this at the top of the podcast for this particular one, but I mean, it just felt like an explosion movie. Everything is an explosion or, you know, um, guns. I, I'm putting that under the pretense of explosion, by the way. I'm kind of looping it all in. But it's all just like, poo, poo, palm, like something blows up. And, and that's kind of the whole movie. And, oh, and also, you know, set against the backdrop of like, you're moving through the walls of the White House as opposed to like the White House itself. Like, oh, look, where's so-and-so? I know, he's in the walls. No, he's in the dark halls of the White House. But, now he's yeah, in a thing. dark room right. in the White House. Yeah, where did my son go? Nobody knows. We'll find him eventually. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of that crap. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple of kind of uh problematic uh, 
women beating scenes. Yeah. A lot of punching women in the face in this movie. Yeah, really, really. The worst one it's is a lot of that. Was is when the um Madame Secretary, what's her name? Um oh played gosh, by Melissa, uh, Leo. Melissa Leo, thank you. Uh gets not just punched to the face, she gets her ass fucking beaten. Like beaten. And you know, she still won't give up the code. Meanwhile, Aaron Eckhart's over here all Are like, you talking about the Cerberus codes? Yes. Have you, you ever heard that before in your life? No, no. Is that no. a real thing? Are there Cerberus no codes just, also, just like strewn about wouldn't everywhere? Wouldn't you call it Cerebrus because it has to do with the cere- cerebrum? Does it? I mean, <laughs> I thought it has to do with nuclear. Uh, yes, but I feel like it's nuclear arsenal, a uh, part of the brain. I, I, the fact that the, that's there's there's a there's Cerberus code. Th- so there's three Cerberus codes. Right. The three, the, the president and two other highly ranked officials have just in their head, just, right. just about. Yeah. And if some terrorists are able to get those codes, they can control our whole nuclear arsenal. Which is really fucking scary. Very scary. And in this movie, they somehow get two of the codes and then, did they guess the third one? I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't understand. I was they still, said they hacked it. I was still in the darkness with Gerard Butler. They said they hacked it and that's how that happened because they were like, how could they hack so many codes? And they're like, well, he didn't need to hack three because they gave him the first two codes. He only needed to hack one. So then he hacked that last one. I was so confused. I, I was I was in the room with Morgan Freeman and all those people just like, what happened? Oh, I agree with you. What happened? What happened? And then they decided, okay, we're not going to fire all these nuclear bombs. We're just going to blow them up in their silos. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was Silo like, fire. And I was like, that's super depressing, I guess. It is. Yeah. Blech. Blech. Any highlights, questions, comments, or concerns you have about this movie? So, like I said, let's see. Um, Dylan McDermott, don't trust him. Nope. Super dark. Yes. Um... Gerard Butler's okay. I, I mean, I kept thinking like this is the exact same movie that I would have liked plot wise in like the eighties with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I don't know, but like he could have played that role. He could have probably played it better. Like give him some quips and stuff. Um, maybe no. I mean, maybe. What do you think? So, what was like the main negative that you think that brought the movie down? The writing. The writing. Yes. Just there wasn't a lot to do. Like once he got to the White House, like once he got in there, it was just dark like the whole time Mm -hmm. until he got to the bad guys. And And then he just like stabbed the bad guy in the head. Right. But for whatever reason, like you said, this movie was kind of nonsensical. It just was. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are thinking. Do you know? So there's a there was a sequel to this movie, which obviously we haven't seen. That came out, I guess, last year or something called London Has Fallen. Which I, oh, I heard of that. Which I assume he was in London, <laughs> and, I mean, it, and then it fell. Right, you would think. And that one was such a success that there's, there's going to be another one. Oh no! What are people thinking? I, they're not thinking. They think that's just it. They're not thinking. Or what? certainly, if they are, they're not thinking about quality. And poor character of Gerard Butler. Like everything keeps falling down, and he has to like pick pick it up. Right. <laughs> and Aaron Eckhart, like in this movie, it's not like, like I said. Out of all these movies, or both these movies, I guess I would take, you know, uh, definitely Harrison Ford's character did a lot more than uh, Aaron Eckhart's movie. 
Aaron Eckhart didn't really kick a lot of ass. Mm, I mean, no. He, he spent a lot of time in handcuffs, basically. That's true, which is kind of sad. Yelling at people. And being somewhat encouraging with his hands above his head. But still, I would take President Whitmore all day, every oh my day, God, over who these wouldn't? two. Like, like he, took, he took a plane. Like, he didn't yes. have to get in the plane. He was a fire pilot. He could have stayed on the ground. He could have stayed in, like, a bunker style yes. with, like, Morgan Freeman and, and just, nobody like, told people to do that. And they'd be like, okay. Right. But he's like, you know what? I'm taking it, I'm taking it to the skies. Yes, he did. Me and Randy Quaid. He said, I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. I belong here. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fuck some shit up. I know. And he did it. I know. And in the second movie, this is what mod- he did not. This is what movies these days are missing. <laughs> I agree with you. So anyone who is voting Harrison Ford or whatever over President Whitmore, Bill Pullman, needs to get their head checks because right. he's the best. Dot com. Totally. So we're looking at the page. Like I said, I didn't look look at the IMDb trivia before this. I'm looking at stuff. I'm looking at stuff. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. In the special features, it mentions the attack on the White House was planned by former Secret Service agents who were asked how they would attack if they had to. What? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) No idea. Why would you divulge that information, Secret Service agents? Well, you shouldn't. Did you know that Angela Bassett only took her part because she always wanted to work alongside Morgan Freeman? But that makes sense because half the time I looked at this movie and I was like, how did these talented people end up in this movie? And that's a good reason. Like, okay, I know why you ended up in this movie because you made a poor choice. Yeah, they didn't really have... Imagine if that was like your one... Like, that was all you had to do basically was look at screens and react to them. Like, you were always in the same location. Right. In this, you know, Pentagon room and you're just... Responding to screens and making faces. That would be sad. No? Chrissy's falling asleep. No, I'm not. I'm fine. Um, This is the second time Dylan McDermott has played a Secret Service agent. He also plays a similar role in In the Line of Fire. Oh, another movie I haven't seen. No? Nope. With Clint Eastwood? Haven't seen it, but we've talked about him twice now on this podcast. Winona Ryder was the studio's first choice to play the first lady. I could see that. Why? Like, how much do you think uh, Ashley Judd was played for this role? She was literally in it for um, five hmm. minutes. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Ten million for five minutes? Yes. So that's two million a minute. I mean, she's Ashley Judd. Really? Yeah. She's. What do you think? What is it? Or do you know? Uh, I don't know. I was just surprised that she didn't last well, very fine. long. Well, fine. Don't tell me how it is. Um, I would say two million. All right, we'll look it up after. <laughs> you think it's on here? Kerching. It's on the internet somewhere. What if she's in the sequel? Maybe they brought her back. I mean, it's possible. Zombie first lady. <laughs> now, now that I want to see. Um. Yeah, there's not a lot in here. Robert Forster's in this movie. Who um I know. Oh, body count from this movie. You want to guess it? Uh, a lot of people die. Holy shit. This is super low. There's what? There's got to be a lot of fucking people. So according to IMB Trivia, who we never trust, they say the body count is 168. That's like in the first like five ten, seconds. Ten minutes, basically. <laughs> like I said, they have the, the whole first part in at Camp David. Right, and, and, then, and then when the when, assault in the White House. Which, when the shit hits the fan, it gets bloody real they fast. Have this huge, so this huge Korean plane, which mm-hmm. is like... 
not super stealth at all. Like huge, like freighter plane, like has super guns, knocks down shit, starts just like shooting people on the street of D- right. DC. Right. Hundreds of people die. Basically. You're wrong, IMDb. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. What would be your final grade for Olympus Has Fallen? C to C minus. See, if I gave Air Force One a C plus, yeah, I would have to give this one like a C minus D plus. Oh, I feel better then. Okay, good. No. I was afraid that I wasn't being like kind enough to the movie. Like if I had to compare them, Olympus Has Fallen definitely has more guns and violence and... Guns and ships. And so the balance shifts. Sorry. Hamilton reference. While Air Force One has Harrison Ford and right. kind of like he's more like stealth and like kind of like yeah, there's creeping like, along the plane. Right. There's a character Gary, element. I, would t- I take Gary Oldman over the, you know, random Korean dude. Pick a new villain. Um, I mean, I guess I'll try to watch. I'll watch the second or something, but I'm not super excited to see it. I would not be excited to see this again either. No, the second one. You want to watch the second one? London has fallen. Like, nope. how does London fall? Nope, that's cool. I'm no? good. No, nah. the Koreans are the Koreans after London as well. They might as well. Do be. they send all like their entire military basically? I mean, with like huge I said, tanks. I don't and know. Shit? I don't know, but they might as well be. No, I don't know. So, I don't know. But I guess the biggest thing is President Wentmore for the win. Thank God. Thank God he exists in our presidential canon because he needs to be the president in every movie from here on out. Anyway. Um, Chrissy, you want to hear some... Uh, so, obviously, here on the podcast, the thing we love most of all... Is? iTunes reviews. I knew it! You want to hear some iTunes reviews we've gotten lately? I mean, I'm always down. So, from our friends at the Via VHS podcast, they say, one of my favorites, um, and their review says, fun banter, unique concept, and unique perspective on movies. Plus, it's just really fun to listen to. Cool, guys. Ta-da! Look at you. Can you sit up? No, I can't sit up, but I'm listening, and I agree. Thanks for that review, guys. That was really awesome. Um, Now, this one... We can't even read all of it. So Mike Siebert <laughs> uh, says hashtag relationship goals. Um, and then he's... To Mike Siebert, can I first say two things? First of all, thank you. Second of all, aim higher, my friend. Aim higher. Mike is the host of the KGRG FM's The Monday Project and Mike and Mickey After Dark. He gave the longest, like, most detailed review i've ever seen on itunes so instead of maybe reading out that whole thing suffice it to say it was freaking great and you should read it on our itunes page i'll say the so the, the beginning part he, he says in a Highlight. sinless sea of snarky white guy movie podcast this show is refreshing fun and flirty the hosts are the married couple you want to hang around with their chemistry is genuine and palpable and the conversations are always fun. The audio quality is excellent as well. You hear that, Justin? We're genuine and palpable. So if you want to hear deep philosophical dissections of movie plots or snobby trash talk, maybe look for a different movie podcast. But if you're looking for new friends to hang, uh, new friends to hear talk about your favorite movies, grab a sangria or your favorite adult refreshment and subscribe to So Married Movie Geek. Ta-da! It's as easy as that. One, two, three. Alcoholic beverage. Sit on your tush. Put on your headphones. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, Jay, uh, so uh, our friends at the Kung Fu Drive-In 
uh, podcasts. Says good uh, geek out, good times, five stars. This show is fun, lighthearted, cheeky, and funny. But what I enjoy the most is the fresh perspective of all things geeky from one of the hosts, Chrissy, who claims to be not claims to be not as quite quite as geeky. I mean, as yes. co-host Justin. Yes, the pair have fantastic chemistry. The banner is genuine. They better since they're married, and the laughs are real, which keeps me laughing along with them. Ta-da. Kung Fu Drive In approved. I love it. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, and then Dan at the Dan and Cody podcast, who we were probably going to be having on the podcast very soon, says, so I'm hooked on So I Married a Movie Geek. I found this podcast through hashtag pardon family. Yes. And I'm absolutely hooked. I love the films these guys choose to review. Justin and Christy are podcast masters. Shut what? up. What? No way. Not only do they cover the key points of the movies, they do it in a way that makes you laugh throughout the episode. A perfect balance of edgy and informative they really make you feel like you're in the room with them chatting about the movie. Great quality. This is a podcast you'll need to listen to all the time. Looking forward to collaborating one day. Much love. Wow. Wow. Thanks, guys. That's pretty awesome. Um, we have one from Berserker Guy who says, don't believe the negative reviews. This is a great con- uh, podcast. The concept is good. The quality is good. The content is good. If you're a film fan and like honest opinions on film, Without that newspaper review jargon in it, then check this podcast out. The hosts are having fun doing it, and I'm having fun listening. Mm-hmm. That's true. We do. Thanks, Berserker guy. Uh, PM. So uh, Mike from the Grind Bin Podcast, friends of ours, says, "Great podcast, great concept. Love the idea of the show. Justin and Christy have great chemistry, and there's a lot of laughs to be had. Highly recommend." Ta-da! Thank you, you Mike. Are the bomb. And then Jeff from the Super PP Time Podcast. Good name. I mean, how could you go wrong with the Super PP Podcast? Great, great podcast. Um, Jeff says, just getting into it. I'm loving Grissy and Justin are just as char- just charming as hell. The show's Shut funny, up. fun, and very chill. Love it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, thanks for anyone who would happen to leave an iTunes review rating for us. We will love you forever. Read it out on the air potentially and then discuss how much we want to have your babies. We will have your babies. I mean, clearly. Um, it's it's pure pure gold, those reviews. Um, so to, to wind up, Chrissy? Yes. Presidential movies. So you liked Air Force One over Olympus Was Fallen. Uh, yeah, between the two. Yeah? Yeah. Um, okay. Last week, um, if you guys didn't check it out, we did, or I did, a another uh, fantasy movie draft with um, a few different podcasts. Star Wars. That happened before. It. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was thinking about how that should have been a January release, but then it wasn't because your theme was January releases. But then I was like, well, we did an episode before that. We, so. Before that, we did, um, Chrissy finally saw Empire Strikes and Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Right. Um, but I was about to say that uh, fantasy movie draft um, went really well. Um, so you should all listen out. to it. Justin holds his own quite well, and you should vote for him if you haven't already. Because it's too late. It's too late. Well, fuck it. It's too late. Fine. So we're but so uh, the, there's been a lot of good responses to fantasy movie draft. I think we're doing another one probably in in February. Yeah. And we're actually going to allow Chrissy to participate. What? What? I'm invited to the boys' table. What? Oh no. This can't end well. I think we're but we're gonna have to do like a um a a theme that Chrissy will be more inclined to participate love in. Love Valentine's Day, something with love. I'm thinking we're gonna do 
I haven't fully decided, but I'm thinking maybe 90s romantic comedies. I'm on board. 90s romantic comedies. I'm so on board. Um, next next month in February. I am there. Um, next week, get excited because I think we're going to do a huge birthday celebration of one of my favorite movies, who is tur- that which is turning 30 this year. The Lost Boys. Yay, Lost Boys. Yay, that'll be With some special guests, probably. Um, but other than that, Chrissy, where can you find us on the internet? In many, many, many places. Facebook, first of all, so I married a movie geek. On Twitter, at the, not the, just movie geek cast. Uh, Instagram, you can also find us on Snapchat. And last but not least, email uh, moviegeekcast at gmail.com. And hopefully we're going to be here actually next week and the world hasn't, you know... Apocalypsed. Exploded in whatever's going on. I don't know. It may have. But let's say you just need something to cheer you up after the Friday of shenanigans. Tune into us. We'll be ready to drop a new episode on Monday. It's Friday? It's Saturday. It's Friday, the inauguration. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, it's been nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> There's nothing else to say there. There's just nothing left. It's nothing. It's... I've got nothing. Oh, man. Well, above all else, we love and uh, cherish everyone who's listening. Um, thank you for doing so. We You're doing God's work, people. You're doing God's work. We love doing this. Chrissy's super excited to be here. She's, Always. She's... <laughs> comatose next to me lay down hey just because i'm casual doesn't mean i'm not happy to be here (laughs) thanks for doing this chrissy you're welcome i love you i love you too um so thanks guys and we're gonna see you next week okay thanks a lot bye